The International IVF Initiative is a worldwide non-profit education project for the assisted reproductive technologies community, sharing scientific and practical knowledge for embryologists, reproductive scientists and anyone working in the ART community. Each episode will share an insight into the world of IVF, along with profiles of legends within the world of ART, latest news and wisdom from our community. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Webinar from the International IVF Initiative i3 podcast. Now here you're going to hear two conversations that took place after session 95 and 96, which had a tech focus looking at how the advances in the digital world are impacting ART. Now the first conversation was moderated by Dr. Charles Borman, Dr. Irene Dimitriadis and Okle Okali with panelists Lizeth Barrientos and Giles Palmer, who also took part in a roundtable discussion along with Dr. Gerardo Mendizaba Ruiz and Alejandro Javes Badiola. And a big thank you to IVF 2.0 who sponsored this session on AI. Now the second session you're going to hear was discussing how there are now available a wealth of apps from ovulation trackers, period trackers and fertility apps. And Reproductive Biomedicine Online explored the latest tech that patients are using. The session heard from Professor Alice Doma, Alison Myers, Dr. Ka Ying Bonnie Ng, Dr. Eri Maida, and Professor Joyce Harper. And it was moderated by Professor Nick Macklon and Professor Jackie Bovine. Do have a listen to how the participants felt the sessions went and make sure you check out the show notes to find out details of how you can watch both sessions 95 and 96 in full as we've included all the links you'll need. Not a great job. Ooh, that was a tough one. <laughs> hey there. Here comes Danny. Or was it OJ? Or both. How was that, everybody? How did you enjoy that? I like it. Irene, how was that? Was it an enjoyable experience? Yeah, you're nodding. That's not going to go well on the podcast, is it? Sorry. I know. I know. I think we found two stars, well, three stars, really. It's fantastic. Thanks a lot, everybody. It was great. I thought the talks were fantastic. I was blown away by the slides. I have to completely update all mine now. So thank you. I, I just, I really loved how you presented it as an aid for the laboratory because that's kind of the approach that we go with as well. So it was really nice. Yeah, it's a scary, it's a scary field, I think. Um, there were some comments that we didn't get to kind of alluding to that, that, you know, is it too soon? And um, are we worried about lawsuits and all that stuff? So it is, it is an ongoing conversation for sure. So using it as an assistant, I think, kind of helps introduce the, um, the concept, not just to the scientific world so the physicians because they also might have a little bit of um uh controversy regarding it but also to the patients themselves right because that's that's also a part that we need to take into consideration but this was great this was a lot of fun yeah that, thank you very much that, that's a, a, an interesting point because this is something that i have discussed with other people when is the right time to trust computers right when is it uh for example you know uh, as Jack, say, uh, Jack was saying about these self-driving cars, when is the right, the right time to give them the, the, you know, the steering well, wheel? If you think about it, we've already trusted a lot of things that we do to computers. I, don't, I just don't think a lot of people think about it that way, and they don't realize it. Yeah. The majority of the time, the plane is not piloted anymore. That's true. Like, if you think about it, right? It's not, 
it's not piloted, but they, people don't think about it. When you implement it though, and when you say it to the patient, oh, by the way, a computer might be selecting your embryo. I think that becomes scary. And also in the, con in the context of IVF, right? Where there's controversy anyway. So um, it, it does, it's, it's a good point, but I, don't, I just don't think people necessarily realize that a lot of what we do in our lives is driven by computers right yeah. now. Yeah, I agree. Yes, I agree with that. The computer is selecting the, the embryo, but it still is one uh, specialist, like one behind of it. So we are still checking. It's not like, like embryologists, I don't want to just leave all that. I want to trust 100%. So I'm still checking. Because we're seeing that moment that we have to be thinking of that, that it's like second opinion. You see, everybody feels differently about this, I think. It's interesting to listen to you guys, because uh, I, I would trust the computer more than most embryologists <laughs> I know. Oh um, my God. You know, think Danny. I love, I love, Danny, I love Danny, but oh. most of the time he's texting, okay? Most of the time he's texting. So is he selecting my embryo as well? He's texting. No, I'm just kidding, of course. But, but seriously, knowing a lot of embryologists having, having worked in the lab for a long time, no, I no. think adding an AI, which is a constant, right? Unless there's something wrong with the AI. It needs to be tested and tested again. And it needs to be qualified and quantified in trials. Okay. Once that is done, I think as an assistant, as as a constant factor between all the embryologists that are making decisions and doctors, I think AIs are great, particularly in follicular stimulation and monitoring, if I may add, because that is all over the place, okay? But what those guys are doing is not, there seems to be nothing exact about any doctors. What here. are you talking about? Why, Dr. Dr. Second. Jack, doctors, we don't make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, seriously, I, th I think AIs are... It's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. I'm very optimist, but then I, I, I'm a tech freak. So, you know, I, I think it's good because people get tired. If there is no power outage, and if there is no problem with the computer and the network and the connection, I think at least an AI is a constant. I can look at the yeah. grades on an egg sheet and know who graded it because I know some people it's yeah, exactly. 5BB and it's like, okay, that's yeah. not how yeah. it works. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, the optimism of the person, how it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was cool that you said that AI is a constant because with this, call it a game, you know, the Erica game or the challenge really, as you play this game, and I hope people do, you sort of get a strategy to thinking, okay, you know, will I trust my first opinion always? And then you see that maybe you're waving a little bit. But I wonder, actually, Alejandro, if, if someone did the test again for a second time, how constant that would be. Because like you said with the sperm, you forget what you've seen in the other fields. Okay. And you, and you have an idea. So I just wonder what would happen if someone repeated that, that so challenge. Just to, to give a bit of context, the challenge is built using synthetic cycles and embryos uh, that went through data augmentation. So there are some basic characteristics to repopulate the synthetic cycles. Let's say that you have a 30-year-old patient with endometriosis, five embryos, two of which are euploid. So we remove the embryos, put them in a database, augment the data, and then we leave a skeleton. And then we repopulate this skeleton with five embryos, at least two euploid, coming from patients between 36 and 38. And then Sometimes the embryos repeat. I mean, the, the data set is, is very large, but sometimes 
that that I mean the embryos repeat. So now we're checking as more embryologists are taking the challenge, how consistent they are with their own decisions. So how often they can spot a euploid embryo and select it on top of the ranking in different contexts. But yeah, and, and I would invite you and I would love you to take the, the challenge because it's a lot of fun and we have found that not only Erika assists in the decision-making process to in, at an individual level, but probably more important for, for us, it reduces dramatically the gap between senior and junior embryologists. So there's always a, one embryologist that outperforms the rest. But what happens when this embryologist goes on holiday? Can I just rest reassured as a medical director or, or the lab director that the decisions are going to be kept with a minimum standard? So if the AI can do that, then it's working wonders. I think that it's going to take a long, long time to outperform uh, humans. And, and I'm not talking about time, okay? I'm talking about millions and millions of images and cases. What happens if your, you know, your selection actually regresses to the mean and is not better? There's a risk that actually you're, you know, that you're training it to an average rather than to an outperformance. Oh, we're not training uh, the AI to become similar to embryologists. And that's one of the reasons why we never use the Gardner score. We're training the AI in the case of embryos against PGT outcomes. So theoretically, it should keep improving. This uh, system, the Erica experience, is just uh, an exercise for people to understand how uh, the AI works, how to interact with it. Sometimes we transfer embryos to patient from donor, uh, generated from donor uh, oocytes. So the embryo was frozen as BC quality or CB quality because it is it was a donor embryo. That's why we froze it and we uh, that's why we transfer it. And but AI wouldn't choose the embryo to be frozen, probably, right? Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And this is where you have to put decisions in a context. This is the only available embryo from a 45-year-old patient that has been undergoing stimulations for the past six months. And the computer is saying that it's looking horrible, but it's the only embryo that, that she's produced in six months. And probably the last one that she's going to produce, am I going to throw it away? Of course not. So this is why I believe that the decisions have to be made by an expert human. Because of course, computers are very cold. I don't like it. You can throw it away. Right. It's not of top quality, but it has no context. You always say that AI is assistant, not the decision maker. Yes. And, and at the end, I think that it would be absolutely unfair to doctors and biologists who, at the end, right now, and probably for a long time, if the patient is unhappy, they're going to come back to the clinic and they're going to face the clinician and the embryologist. They're not going to face the AI and complain about <laughs> the performance. This was discussed about responsibility and agency. And I think that at this point, we are the face. So 
if I am going to be facing the patient, I am the one that is calling the shots. I love to have assistance. And it's the same in, in theater, as Gerardo was saying. Every time I used to get into theater to operate a patient, unless I was in a training hospital, I, ha I have one rule. My assistant must be a better surgeon than I am. Otherwise, I don't enter. I mean, imagine a very difficult case of endometriosis. I don't have that experience. I want an oncologist with me. So I want the best for my patient. But of course, if things go wrong, there's one person that is going to be talking to the family and it's going to be me. So if there is going to be a very, very hot decision to, to be made, it's going to be on me. It's interesting when you say like, assisting to select i think the really be the best example is the sperm because you've got so many and you know mm -hmm. we see with the data that we've got with you that it really it it homogenizes the selection group that you're you know that that it's picking and and you can see the variability between the different embryologists picking the sperm i think it, it it's actually even a, a much better example than compared to the embryos i think I agree with you and, and of course thank you to to both of you for all your support and and your help uh, with seed. And I agree with you definitely. I think that the only one real selection that we make in the lab is when we select the sperm, Be precisely because of what you said. Mm. You have five eggs, you're going to attempt to fertilize all five. But sperm, selecting sperm can make a difference. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's that uh, when you fill up the screen, I think the two of you showed uh, different seed uh, videos very dilute and very dense and it's the dense that we have been avoiding as embryologists right we have been avoiding mm. the density because yeah you know, we can't do anything with it we can't we can only track i don't know if you know the the the, the system lumosity so lumosity mm. is a it's you may not be be familiar with it yet but in 10 years you will be okay or 20 years you will be or for some of you maybe 30 years it's sort of a a game system that uh, prevents you, we think, prevents you from early onset dementia. Okay, and so it's a it's a memory game mostly, but it's all about cognitive behavior, and it's a it's it's a set of games that are very slowly growing. Oh, yeah, you pay a fee, but there's one game that's called koi pond, and in koi pond, all the koi fish are swimming around in an animation, uh, and you start with three and you have to feed them but they all look the same and they're swimming around like sperm okay they're swimming around and there are three oh you can remember which one you fed because your eye can follow all three now you go to four because you have fed all three and you're doing the right thing by feeding them again and it's not going to eliminate you okay you go to four still doable five a little harder <laughs> six is almost impossible you try to make it to, to eight nine or ten you try to do that, okay? Very, very hard. And so SIT is basically the same as that koi pond. And, and uh, SIT will um, um, basically, don't, it doesn't care whether there are 100 or 10 or five. And that's the strength. We have been changing ICSI over the years to dilute it so much that we can follow the sperm in our visual field. And now you can increase that and you can actually now really do, because I think it was Alejandro showing one or two videos. There's very few sperm. Well, you don't need it. There's very few sperm. Uh, because I think one, one of the early studies, uh, Gerardo and Alejandro and the others, they showed that some, some embryologists will say, 
that they're not good in selecting sperm and they're actually not really taking a look. And it's not true. They are taking a look. And actually, in fact, they probably don't even have to be embryologists because it's looking for evenness and beauty of movement, right? So almost everybody is good at that. But it's at the diluted, it's at a, it's three, four, five sperm in the visual field. And so now you can add not as many as you want, but maybe 100 or 200 in the visual field, and you can restart. And when they swim away, you don't care because the circle will, will tell you which one the system prefers. So even if that system is just as good as us, or maybe not even as good as us, because of that potential, you can improve the selection process. I think that's where the strength. Koi pond, yeah, look it up. And lumosity. Bomb yeah. is lumosity. It's a hundred dollars a year. Just, just oh. letting you know. It's hard. But it is, you know, it keeps your mind going. And uh, I can't remember which embryologist I just spoke with, Sergei. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not the koi, not the koi fish. <laughs> yeah, the koi pond. Yeah, the koi pond. Yeah. So we, we have shared a link to the Eric experience. Hopefully you, you will give it a, a go and yeah, just have fun. You guys were great. All your moderators, we really have to say this. This was really, really good. You did a fantastic job. Thank this you so much up. for inviting thank us. You. Yeah. Yes, thank Brilliant. you so much for the invitation. Thank you, Thomas. Good to see you, Thomas. Bye, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, thanks. Bye. Now, before we join the after party of our second Beyond the Webinar session, do make sure you check out the show notes of this episode so you can find details of the session that was just discussed and you can also watch the session that is about to be discussed we'll join the speakers now hello excellent what about you yeah it's interesting isn't it the young people i was thinking like whoa you know there they I are mean, embracing it give it to me i'll wear it i'll put it exactly on i know i know we always seem to go in on the lines of like you know the generational divide uh, you know but it was good to have younger members yeah i thought the that panel was really as well good. it's fantastic how they embrace it one of the posts you know which i did was about you know like the uber rich netflix out you know amazon chasing people they all use this so often but if you sort of go to a clinic and they'll, they'll send you a letter or I'll, um, even worse, you know, send you a fax, it's, you know, it's so alien. <laughs> it's this word, you know, you know, my favorite word is liquid expectations now. It's yeah. like people expect all this, which they get, you know, when they're ordering food or ordering online, obviously, you know, they expect that and they should have that now, you know, in the clinics because it is available, isn't it? I went to a pub and I took out my cash and I paid and the, the bar person said whoa cash cool retro <laughs> a cashless society is dangerous well I mean this is pursued. what you're saying you know their <laughs> expectations are set up now, yeah you know yeah, for yeah, a certain yeah. thing I thought it was brilliant to have um, uh, early career researchers on board to to reflect back this kind of total difference in the way things uh, are are presented. I think Nick, you made a a great point where we're looking at it from the perspective of loss, whereas young people are looking at it from the perspective of gain. Very very uh, good observation. That I wish that I'd, I wish I'd articulated as well as you just have. <laughs> <laughs> I can read your mind. Thank you. Thank you. So anyway, a great session. What do you think, Nick? Were you, are you pleased? 
Delighted. Well done, everyone, and thank you. Yeah. You know, it, it could have gone in many directions, but I think we kept it to what I believe will have been the questions that were relevant to people. I mean, it was interesting watching the questions coming in, and they were very practical. You know, there were, where can I get this app? And um, not deeply philosophical, but one or two around about how it compares with real-life interaction. So I hope that the, I'm sure the audience will feel that they had the, you know, the real experts here tonight, um, both in terms of, you know, experienced academics, but also people who are really living with them and uh, can look at them in, a, in an analytic way. So really, thank you very much all for, 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 for joining uh, Jackie and me and um, um, in, in this. And it would be interesting to see what feedback we get, Giles. Yes, and, and I must admit, you know, thank you all, because it was one of the easiest sessions uh, that we've had to put together. You've been so helpful, first of all. You know, the plan we came up with very easy. It was there in the journal already. Again, thank you, Duncan, as well. And you know, it was you know, it was plain sailing, you know, and uh, and never more topical. I think of this. You know. Yes, thank you, Duncan. Um, Duncan's kept quiet all night, but it's been yeah, he's the behind the scenes, <laughs> yeah, guiding us gently. So yeah. I haven't been that quiet on Twitter. <laughs> your all your notifications are going to be blown up now. Oh yeah, <laughs> bing, 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 bing. <laughs> As the new Chief Compassion Officer, given yeah. the discussion today about not really wanting to come in and not really having these, you know, wanting to focus more on apps or augment experiences through apps and get support through apps and information, et cetera, how's that going to shape your strategic plan around that new post? Because I always imagine a Chief Compassion Officer is going to be all over the place, holding your hand and, you know, giving you a okay, hug. Well, first of all, I think I'm probably the first chief compassion officer in the world because they made up the job title for me. I love it. I totally so it was, love it. It was the end of my interview day last November and everyone's like, you know, we need to come up with a big title. I think it was the CEO who came up with it. No, so, no, no pressure then, no pressure. No, no pressure. So it's, it's new, but, you know, basically I'm in effect going to be responsible for both improving the care patients get in terms of reducing their stress and also reducing the stress level of all the employees. Mm -hmm. now, right now, this company owns 79 infertility clinics over the US and North America. I mean, over the US and Canada. So it's, mm -hmm. it, there's a lot of bodies. And so I'm spending like the first two weeks meeting with everybody I can to try to figure out what do I tackle first? And I, I yeah. think to be very honest, my answer is gonna be the employees because this is a global issue. Employees are burnt out. COVID has just sent people over the edge. People are quitting, people are burning out, people are making mistakes. And so I think, in fact, we can't afford not to pay attention to the stress level of yeah. employees. I think it raises an interesting point about one of the impacts of corporatization in IVF, doesn't it? Because the idea of having a local counselor who looks after everyone, you know, with, in your role with 79 clinics, apps are going to be I would seem crucial to to getting, you know, benchmarking on right. quality of care. Well, and I'm on the executive team, and so I think that for the first time in my life, you know, my recommendations have to get carried out. So, and again, it it has to be stuff that feels like it's going to be helpful. I mean, we're not going to ever say to an employee you have to meditate once a day, but we're going to start creating content that employees can use and creating content that patients can use. And just, you know, my goal is to train all the physicians and how to communicate empathically. And that's gonna change patient perception of care. 
We'll see. It's one giant experiment. I think, you know, I, I did that paper in 2017. I think it was one of the first ones about staff. Yep. I the staff. And that, you know, if staff were having problems in fertility clinics, how could they return? Uh, you know, how could they provide the care that they wanted to provide to patients? It was almost impossible. Right. And, and that was know, five the, years the, ago. That was, that was before COVID. Yeah, it was before COVID, but you know, th there were some very clear issues that the that they highlighted. I don't know okay. if you ever looked at the supplementary tables, but I, you know, I read that paper. I have that paper on my desk at home. Oh yeah. Because I think the thing is that, you know, oftentimes as well is the squeeze time. And you know, we, you know, in a way, the reason apps are so useful is that it gives you more time because as you say, you're not traveling or it's convenient or whatever. But, you know, I, you know, for Bonnie and Alison, uh, you know, do you feel squeezed in time in your daily life so that you want to rely on these more efficient ways of doing things? Like is efficiency a big part of your life more so than perhaps it's been to other people? And I think that kind of efficiency maybe saves you know, helps people somehow. Do you know what I mean? To be more efficient and more. But to a certain extent, you got to be careful. People need downtime. Mm. You need to but dance at festivals, you, right, Joyce? But this is also a field where people can't make mistakes. I, I um, I'll, when we got to the discussion about, uh, you know, when you said, Alice, that no patient has asked for face-to-face, -face, that made me feel really old. <laughs> I was like, wow. And I, I, I do really feel that we're going to end up stopping conferences. I mean, I don't know how Nick and Jackie feel and, and Giles, but to me, a face-to-face -face conference. Yeah. I've, I, I feel like I'm performing when I'm at a conference giving a talk. So it's like you, you understand why actors love doing live theater because yeah. live theater is so much more fun than doing a movie. Making a movie is dull. You're basically on a big Zoom call and they don't, some of them don't want to do that all the time. They want to have that interaction with an audience. And mm -hmm. I, am, I am sure there will be no international conferences soon. Uh, Joyce, have you got a movie offer yet? I'm sure you will do soon, won't you? Yeah, on your list. I'm going to so many conferences this year. I went to five last year when no one else was traveling. I've got so many in the next few months it feeds me for the younger generation they're going to look at as i said the difference between vinyl and streaming they're not going to experience that that's technology are you stopping going to conferences no i hope not but i but i think theory, you know i think i i went to the canadian fertility in september and i was so depressed christina hickman and i were the only speakers there from another country Almost, not quite, but almost. You couldn't get into countries. See, I disagree. Like ASRM was offered in person or hybrid, and I went, and there were a lot, there were thousands of people there. And I think, you know, the year before when it was all hybrid, I barely attended I, any. I don't think right now, but I think in 10 years, look, we've already, you're doing counseling online. I would never have thought that counseling would have ended up being happening online. Listen, conferences are going to, going to go ahead now i i all every conference i've done i've done five in the last few months they've all been hybrid 
And they've all been disappointed that so many of the audience weren't there. There's a big phenomenon going on, at least in the U.S. People are buying turntables. I know, I know, I agree. Okay, stop for a second, Joyce. Alison, are you going to be going to conferences? Bonnie, are you going to be going to conferences? I want to. I I wanted to go to Eshray this year, but I'm 38 weeks pregnant at that time. I don't think I'll okay. make it. I understand that. <laughs> but I was very surprised that they are charging the same price for virtual as well as in person. No way. Yeah. So I had to pay the full price without getting any food, wine, champagne. Parties. <laughs> yeah. Some organizers say that the majority of the time and effort is in organizing it. I don't know about that. I think I the- think it's probably an act and you know to try and encourage people to come. And and I think Mike. My, I, I do think conferences will survive. People will just be more selective about them. But the yeah. group that I've really felt sorry for over the last few years have been actually your generation. You know, yeah, the early career researchers, for you know, sure. The experience of waiting to go up and present your paper and then getting the nurse going up onto the platform, seeing people there, seeing your, your team in the front row, going down afterwards, being spoken to in the coffee yeah. queue, is what drives careers and and yeah yeah and you do really, get real buzz you from mustn't it. lose that and yeah for, for seasoned speakers like some of the people here what what i suppose what we might miss is again the interaction you know you speak into a screen and a camera and then you wave at the end and that's that and yeah you get the chance to meet and be inspired and inspired yeah and the so, chatting after is the informal so, uh, yeah games. This, this is the this is the chatting afterwards in the yeah, it's it's not the same, and you know the patient. We could level. all be having a glass of wine, you know. Yeah. What I'm saying? I formed the International Fertility Education Initiative in a bar in Copenhagen with Karen Hammerberg. Yeah, that's where these things happen, isn't it? It is. I need and to be in a bar. Where this happened actually, uh, but um, I mean, patients. Are I, mean, I mean, in a way, you know, in a way, it does give access to, you know, a lot of people who who wouldn't be invited to speak because they'd be too young or wouldn't have the money to. So. In that sense, you know, the virtual aspect is is offering that. But I completely agree with you that, you know, like careers are made and friendships are made. And and yes, you can do it on a screen, but you know, you really have to be there to have it, you know, as a life experience. I think for these conferences. Guys, do you think there's been Zoom fatigue? Have you experienced it with i3? Or not? Um, it, it's been stable. It's been stable, but we've um, not done as many. So. As going for one a week, we've now gone to, you know, once a fortnight or even three weeks. So, yes, of course, Evan was on Zoom and that was a lifeline for a lot of reasons. But our numbers luckily have kept stable. But that does take a lot of work. But people are looking for new things and there are new things out there. Of course, you know, Zoom is now synonymous with, you know, any kind of virtual com- you know, conference. But there's some really exciting stuff coming out. One is for our 100th which is really quite interactive. We can, you can teleport into different areas and this like audio effect that when you're close to someone, you can hear them. When you move away, your voice diminishes. So you can have, you know, you can huddle in a room and, and talk to people. So there's a lot of these new things coming out, I which again, will make it a, a little bit effortless. Sorry, Jackie? I got trapped in one of those. You could walk around the place and go and meet people and stuff. And I got trapped in a, in a room and I, I couldn't get my little avatar it. out of the I, room. Just yeah. I thought it was a door, but it was a window. <laughs> it was hilarious. I think we were, it's a bit like Cluedo, transition if people remember the, you know, the game Cluedo, if you like. It was like yeah. Tinder to me. I don't know what you mean, Joyce. But your student, but but your students keep you young. That's the thing. I'm sort of in the middle. Okay, I understand, and and I think telemedicine has been a great help over COVID. But 
I still can't get the concept that people use the phone instead of like a, you know, like a tablet or a PC. So people, people being counselled, but they're, you know, like, and if it's a couple, they're squeezing, or so is my opinion, looking on a phone. But, you know, a phone is like their third arm, I suppose, isn't it? You know, people using the phone, in, in, you know, instead of a PC, aren't they? It's interesting so all how the phone has become a great social equaliser. Whether you're president of the United States or you're a very poor person living in a third world country, your world is viewed through an iPhone. It's amazing, yeah. really. That's how you look at the world. I told you what the most used application is on a smartphone, didn't I? Yeah, anybody? No. It's the time. Oh, yeah. There you go. You don't have watches anymore, do you, apart from the smart ones? That's the thing. Except I can now have a phone call through my watch. There yeah, you I go. Do I do that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> is, it, is it a watch or is it a phone? Would it's spooky. Like that is. It's offering. <laughs> hey, who do I want to call? <laughs> Not Giles. Thank you so much for inviting me and Ali. Thank you, very much. Thank you so much for representing us. Yeah, it was, no, it's been great. It was thank really you. interesting to talk to you. Yeah, yeah thank really you, everybody. Thank Stay you. safe and healthy. Yeah, thank you very thank much. You. Uh, congratulations again, Ali, on the job. Oh, thank See you. See you soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Be sure to visit ivfmeeting.com where you can watch our back catalogue of webinars. Plus, you can sign up for future ones, download our electronic membership card, and find all our social media so we can stay in touch.